Hey everybody, I'm Rob McMichael, along with Tim Whitaker and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived, and how we can better represent him and his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little bit more about us, let's get into the episode for this week. Welcome to episode number 43, where more than previous weeks, we decided to talk about things we don't really understand. We have recently been introduced to a worldview called the Divine Council to explain God's hosts of heaven that were created to rule on his behalf. We decided to have an introductory discussion on the concept of God in the Bible and the groundwork for the Divine Council worldview. We will say over and over that we are not biblical scholars, but we wanted to bring these ideas to our listeners and start a discussion about the impacts of a variety of gods with a small g ruling in the world both still in submission to him and in rebellion to him join us as we jump feet first into this topic welcome everyone to the coffee theology and jesus podcast i am your host tim whittaker with my other hosts jordan rob hello gentlemen hello hello governor okay I see how this episode's right, going to go. It's already going to be a crazy episode, Rob. We don't need more confusion with weird accents we, and weird language. Can not we sure choose what? a different accent? Yeah, I'm not sure what you're talking about, Timmy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, listen, everyone. We I'm have an interesting show. I'm not going to lie. This is going to be a very interesting show because we're going to try and – I don't even know how to even describe this. We're going to talk about things we don't understand. Perfect. That's, that's a good way to describe it. We're going to sound like ignorant fools to the entire world, but we're going to go for it. We're going to swing the bat. We're going to see what happens. Um, I kind of want to get pretty hopping into it because there's a lot to get to about this uh, particular subject, Rob. So I'm kind of worried because I'm afraid that we're not going to be not going to be able to do the subject any kind of justice. So I think what's important here is that we stay close to the concept that we've been discussing and also learning about and try our best not to stray too far off the path because, frankly, this has blown my mind the past couple of weeks and I still don't fully understand it. And the podcast that we've listened to to help us understand it, they're also discovering this too, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And then we gave this that podcast to Jordan – and Jordan listened to one episode out of 20, so here we go. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where we're at. So I'm going to – I mean, Rob, do you want to kind of give the premise here, or should I take a crack at it and you interrupt whenever I'm off the beaten path? So we're, we're just not even – there's no formal introduction, no talking about other things. We're just skipping all of that and going right to content. I think we have to. I mean <laughs> – it's this has been on my mind, and I need to verbally just, process this in front of everyone. Wait, just for, just for our listeners, just before pressing record, Tim was like, "All right, here's the plan. We're going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to talk about the anagrams, and no, then we're the going to go enneagram. into the content. Fine, Whatever. we'll talk about the enneagram first, Rob. I'll appease you and all the listeners. All right. So 
Before we get to the main subject that will blow all of our minds and make us sound foolish, let me talk about something that I do know a little bit more about. I recently have taken the Enneagram test. Have you guys ever heard of this? Yes. No. No, Jordan, you have not. <laughs> no. It's pretty well, much maybe. a seance. I feel like I've heard the word. You have to kill a baby goat. And then you get this information about yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so this is one of those like personality kind of things where you take this test and kind of gives you, in this case, a number, and that number corresponds to like more about who you are. That's the Was premise. Was yours six six six? Actually, I am a type. Yeah. I am a type six. I'm not going to lie. I, that is true. Um, but it honestly was really accurate, and the people that have I've known who have taken it. It's also been very accurate for them. So there's all different types, and they all, you know, they all correspond to each other, and yada yada yada. But a type six is known as the loyalist. So people like myself tend to be very loyal to their friends, and also also tend to be thinking about like the worst case scenario a lot. So they're in their heads a lot, and they're also very anxiety prone. Which for me was interesting, given what happened the past year of my anxiety attacks out of nowhere. It was a very interesting correlation. But it's also helped me like understand myself better regarding how I function and how I process things. And mm-hmm. that's also been a benefit to, I think, the topic at hand because I think in the past, whenever I would hear about a topic in scripture that was really foreign to me or that I didn't know how to handle, I would kind of panic and get really anxious about it. Like, well, is this the right way to believe now? Like, have I, have I, been, th- have I been thinking the wrong way the whole time? But I think understanding myself and being a type six, I've been more gracious with, no, it's just a thought, and I don't really have to think about it as, like, it's changing my entire worldview. Which, for a lot of people, they never think about. But for someone like myself, it's kind of all that, that they're thinking about. So that's <laughs> my short and sweet version, Rob, of the Enneagram. Yeah, I, Julia took one and she, you know, coerced me to taking one, and I don't remember my results. I was just trying to find them. Oh, you don't know what type you are? No, I don't remember. I'm sorry. That's a bummer. You didn't get the T-shirt with your type on it. Hey, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, and then and then under it or the backside is EFTJ or whatever that one was. <laughs> I've done that one. Is yeah, it similar too. to that? Yeah, it's like that a little bit. Yeah, um, okay. it's similar. I mean, they're all in okay. kind of the same vein, right? You take a test, you find out more right. about your personality. I've taken strength finders. I've taken that, what's it called, Myers-Briggs? Is that what it, what it is? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. and I've taken, yeah. uh, I've taken this one. I, when I was going, when I, uh, when I first started counseling, I took another one, too, of like different types of people, like clerics and so on and so forth, and... I, I think know. that's based that's based on the Myers Briggs one. Yeah, it was helpful. I mean, all yeah. I find that that kind of stuff you really can't overknow. You know, it's always good to no, know about yourself. No, I think that one was definitely when you were playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I was not. Listen, I've only played Dungeons and Dragons once for like three weeks, and then my team broke up. So. Wait, wait! You played it once for three weeks? Well, like I, I played like one round of it for three weeks. I mean, the stories go for a lot of times like months. Oh my goodness. It's, I've never played. I don't. What happened? Well, <laughs> the one I did was actually a Star Wars like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you were there, right, Jordan? That. That's when my car got flooded. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. Anyway, so the idea of these is that you go to someone's house, someone is the dungeon master or the game master. and That really means the narrator. They narrate like, like how it works. They create these characters, you assign attributes to your characters, 
you have die, you roll the die, yada, yada, yada. So these can go on for like months at a time. I mean, it's like yeah. an adventure story. Okay. I never, uh, is it called LARP? Live action yeah. role play? I've never LARPed before. Well, That's where you run around. Well, Jordan, maybe we have. We have dressed up as the Avengers <laughs> several times. That's pretty close That's true. to LARPing. My wife is nodding her head yes, that yes, <laughs> we definitely have LARPed. Rob, do you remember when Tim said that we couldn't get off track on the topic? I do remember that. <laughs> well, well, you started it, Rob. Do you remember that time? <laughs> <laughs> he did. Rob started it. Anyway, we're, we're I didn't even know where. Uh, I was testing you to see if you would pull us back, but you didn't. I, uh, you let me loose. You let me loose. All right. Can we focus now, Rob? Can I get to the, the topic at hand? Yeah, Enneagrams. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rob, why don't you try and and give the intro here? Um, all right. So for for any of our listeners, we'll put we'll put maybe some links when we we post this podcast, but we've been listening to the Bible Project. And the Bible Project is a great website for I want to say non-denominational because it's not associated with any typical theology or denomination, but they just want to give an overview of the Bible. But what they started doing, they, they create videos, animated videos, to go over just basic themes of the Bible, go over books, go over people, whatever. And it's all available on their website, bibleproject.com. But... What they started to do was record the conversations with their scholar, who is Tim Mackey, and one of their other one of their other directors, um, John. And they just started to record their conversation about planning out their videos. And so I've been listening to it. Tim's been listening to it. And then when when did they start that? Probably twelve weeks ago. Well, the 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 first conversations happened over a year ago and then they they picked it back up and are kind of still continuing on with the conversation because there are moments where Tim will interrupt the podcast and say, okay, this answer I gave wasn't really a good answer. So I'm going to give a more current answer now that I've done the research on it. Yeah. So they, they started this and they're up to episode 20 something. Um, but it's all about God. And so they're doing a God themed video, but Obviously, with 20 episodes, they're not packing everything they talk about into the theme video. But it just got Tim and I thinking and looking a little more into it. And the first episode that they do, yes, Tim. Let me just preface one thing. We are not scholars. We are pretty dumb, actually. (laughs) And we are – this podcast episode is not designed to maybe answer questions that you might have because, frankly, we're still – we have just started this train of thought based on information that we've read and heard through you know, Tim and other guys like Michael Heiser. Um, so it's important to know that this episode is really just like a opinion piece, response, kind of out loud wondering, and that we are t- really just complete amateurs giving our opinion on a very new, and I would say at least for me, pretty like big concept that it's not that it changes like any core tenets of like the faith but it certainly deepens them and really widens the faith for me on a big level is that fair enough to say rob yeah i believe so okay go ahead 
And so kind of the, the thing that got us started was the first episode, Tim seeks to um, define the word God. So in our modern Western minds, when we say the word God, what do we mean? And is that what the ancient Hebrew, ancient Near Eastern writers were thinking about when they wrote Elohim? And so he goes through kind of the beginnings of the Bible and goes through various examples about when they write Elohim, it just means a spiritual being. Um, and how Elohim doesn't necessarily have to mean the God that we think of, the all-powerful, almighty creator of the universe, master of all things. It just is a spiritual being. So an angel could be described as an Elohim. In our terminology, a demon could be described as an Elohim. Uh, all, all of that is kind of packed into that conversation of what is Elohim? It's not what we think it is. And so it kind of brings the conversation a little, little back and says, okay, if there are other Elohim, it makes sense of he is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, King of kings. He's the almighty God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Why does it give these descriptions? Because there are other Elohim. And so that's where it, you take a step further, because I think most people can see that and would kind of agree with that. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, let's stop you there. Know. Jordan, do you, because you haven't really, you're not as deep into this world as we have been. How does that sound to you, kind of hearing that for the first time of, hey, there are actually other, we might say spiritual beings, but Scripture calls them gods in the Bible? See, see that's where I feel like, the scripture doesn't call them gods. <clears throat> Our American English translation uses the word God or gods. And I think that might be where the mistake is in that. And I think they kind of got to that a little bit too, that g the English word God brings with it certain connotations that kind of make it the wrong word to use in place of that word that Elohim that the Bible uses. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with it right now is kind of like, it's not the Bible saying that there are other gods as we would use the word God. We're mm -hmm. just using the word God. It's, it's using a different word. Basically, if you look at the origin and if you go back into the Hebrew, it's using what more the word that we would use spiritual being. Well, a right. lot of times it's using the sense. word Elohim though. I mean, the word Elohim, but that, that is the word that means spirit. That's probably a right. more better translated into English as spiritual being, not as God. Right, mm. I I I, to, I totally agree with Jordan on this. But point. Tim doesn't make that point though in his podcast at all. Oh he, no, I think he does. Are you sure? Because I just listened to it today. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, yeah. farther along than you, Jordan, and I'm telling you, no, I mean you definitely could be correct. No, they definitely they definitely make that point that the word God in English bringing that back to Elohim does it a disservice, and it brings with it our Western view of that word that the Hebrew doesn't have. So I agree with Jordan on that point 100%. It's kind of like it comes one direction, like from the Hebrew trans the Hebrew word Elohim being translated into English as God or gods, you know, big 
G or little G. And they kind of, they talk about that in, in our English, you know, we use the capital G to represent, you know, the almighty singular God mm-hmm. that is the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And then, and then we would use a little G God to represent like false gods, you know, other things like that. But I do but think it doesn't sorry. really work. It doesn't really work to go back the other way and then use our English word to apply it to that. Yes. Well, you know, I know what you're, you're saying, like applying a capital G God to the other thing that we're talking about. Is that what you're Correct. Saying, you're trying to say? Yeah, or even even the small G gods to go back. And because if you notice a few times they, they reference specific verses where like the English translation doesn't even really make much sense because it's using that one word when it's translating multiple different words and meanings and using one word in English for all of them. Right. And that's what that's what it's saying is like the our English word God is probably not the best word as a stand in for all of those Hebrew words. But that's partly because of what we think when we think of the word God in English. Does that make sense? Right. But like, do we think wrongly? Do we use a wrong definition of God in English that I, we're then applying to it? Or are we just thinking of something different? We're, it's probably I'm assuming and again talking off the top of my head I think a little bit of both because like for example whenever we hear the word like false gods I think what I always thought about was oh he doesn't really exist a god that isn't really there but I think that there's a spiritual being that definitely could exist that people are worshipping that is not the true Yahweh god right but we well, I was, I've always grown up to think, oh, a false gods like, oh yeah, like your god doesn't exist. You know, like, oh, the Babylonians, they were just false gods that never really were there. But really, they were something that they were worshiping. It just wasn't the almighty transcendent Yahweh, God of gods, you know, king of kings, so on and so forth. Right. And I was always brought up being taught that many of the other little G gods that are worshipped in other cultures and religions throughout history and even currently could actually be real spiritual beings, whether that is a demon or that something we would describe as a demon or um, whatever it is, that it could be a real spiritual being involved in that somehow. I was always taught that growing up Hmm. at least when i was old enough to understand that concept um so maybe that was just a different yeah it definitely could have been i I don't know i I think what's in particularly this part of the conversation what has like made me think a little bit is that i just kind of always assumed that that word god in scripture meant one thing and that false gods or that like even like sons of god was like okay it's it's not like a a, whoa i'm echoing real bad oh Am I still there? Is that you, Rob? Oh, yeah, that was me. Wow. You're, you ruined my whole train of thought. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you didn't. But, um, for example, you know, the idea of even the sons of God, like, what does that even mean? You know, like, Scripture talks about in Genesis, the sons of God. I always thought, well, I guess it's just, like, humans that were, like, God liked, you know? But I guess what I'm saying is I'm discovering that, like, sometimes what I have thought Scripture is trying to say in, in, in relation to what I viewed, how I viewed God is maybe bigger than what I'm thinking about. Like maybe there's a bigger spiritual world that is way 
more vast and bigger than just this concept of like, oh, there's only one God and everything else is false, and then there, and then there are demons. Like it's impossible for God to delegate other things uh, via spiritual being. But I, I think in Scripture, especially in Genesis, as Tim talks about, there's actually some evidence that God went through um, other spiritual beings to delegate his rule of the world, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that that's when you get the step, after you kind of get that groundwork, then you take the step into what's known as a divine council, which from what I understand is kind of prevalent in in um, seminary right now, at least in a lot of them. Uh, this idea of the divine council and um, so that that God, when he was setting up the world and setting up his universe, I think we can all agree Genesis 1 and 2 sets up God as creating beings that he desires to rule with and create with. So if you look at his command to man, it's go into the go into the earth, don't stay in this garden, but subdue it. Make sure everything in this earth becomes like Eden. And so go out, conquer, subdue, um, expand and rule the world. I gave you I gave you the format, right? I gave you the template on how to do it. I want you now to take my authority and go out with it. You are my the pinnacle of my creation here. I want you to rule on my behalf. Um, and it kind of comes all the whole story of the Bible comes back to that that point. But we see that both in the the terrestrial land and the celestial spiritual world, that God used man on the earth as his ruling mates, we, we can say. He, he gave his authority to humankind to rule on his behalf. But then there's a spiritual world that I, I think, like Tim, you were, you were kind of alluding, we never really talk about, we don't really learn about, especially in our Western society that has um, put up science and um, naturalism, it kind of excludes the rest of that. I think that has come to come over to the church as well, where I'm not saying all churches are like this because some are very heavy into the spiritual side, but um, we've kind of excluded and kind of ignored the spiritual world. But I think God, in the same way he set up rule with man, he set up spiritual beings to rule on his behalf uh, uh, in the spiritual world as well. Yeah, I think that was, like I was saying before, like, I, I guess my thought with this whole concept was I was a little confused what the big deal was. <laughs> to, maybe to, in your reaction to it, Tim. Um, and not not that it's not a big deal, but I guess because I felt like I, I was kind of brought up being taught that, that yes, there are other spiritual beings that have power and influence in our world um either for good or not and that they have been appointed so by god um yeah what well, yeah, i guess well, i was gonna i guess you're just super enlightened <laughs> and way above all I, of us, I guess Jordan. so i guess so wow shocker no yeah i mean <laughs> not, not to me but Wow, not to me. Can you... <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I. Well, that was going to be my question to you is like, what about this 
like I understand like it's it's like a it's an interesting concept okay, and okay. it's cool. I, I'm frankly what's important about this to I you. Think I guess what's is important my question. to me, frankly, if I'm thinking, and again, I'm still chewing on like this whole idea. And the reason why for me is because I've always, and this could be maybe I just bad assumptions on my part, but I've always thought that okay. Uh, it's a singular God who just works through the world. Like I'm interacting with God, I'm interacting with Yahweh all the time, and like that's just how it works. Like there's all the demons that are just bad angels. Then you have God's angels that are like I don't even know what they are. They're kind of human with wings, which isn't even a biblical concept. But eh. how, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's how you kind of see them, you know. And you know, people ask for the angels to watch over you. And then I have God who's like orchestrating all the things like in the background and like just doing his thing. But in reality, what it seems like on the surface of what we're discovering is that God actually uses other spiritual beings to work on his behalf in the world. And to me, that's a very big deal because it kind of expands. It may, helps me make more sense of the world. Like, for example, there's a part in, in Genesis that Tim talks about where essentially there was the human rebellion. There was also the spiritual rebellion. All right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, OK, it's like so I've always, you know, I. I I don't know. I don't want to ramble, but I've always kind of thought about like, well, how as a Christian do I reconcile like all like these other religions that people like, you know, have spent their whole life in, whether it's Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism, and it helps me to understand and make more sense of that kind of stuff when really when scripture talks about a spiritual world that was fallen or that is mm-hmm. is or that is working with God to restore uh, the world, not just humanity. So that those kinds of things help me make more sense of like gaps I've had in my own belief system of like, yeah, like, how does this work? You know, where do these religions come from? If if, if if I have the only true religion or the true belief system of Yahweh God and these guys don't, how do they even get to this point of this like super thought out other belief system? You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. a very more, ap- I guess, more easy to swallow answer for me as well. Either maybe, perhaps they were, you know, part of the fallen spiritual world. That's what we're looking at. You know, it's actually a very real thing. It's actually a very real thing that they're worshiping. They're actually involved with it on a very high level of the part of the part of the spiritual world. You know, but it's really I'm talking about how Yahweh is the creator God. That's what he reckon. That's what he refers to himself over and over in Scripture. That I am the God above gods. I'm the King above kings. What he, I think what he's saying a lot is. I am over all of it. And yes, there are other parts of the natural world and also spiritual, but I'm over all of it. And to me, that's a big concept because I just never saw it that way. Mm. Yeah. I, I think the where it came in to, to be a bigger deal, at least for Tim and I, was when it started to explain other things better than our previous understanding did. So when you go through, and Tim mentioned the spiritual rebellion of Genesis 6, where God God put, kind of put the barrier between the human population and the spiritual population, and they broke that barrier. So the sons of God came in and had children with the daughters of men, and that's where these giants came from, and they lived on the earth and, and all of that. And then it kind of comes to a head at in Babylon in Genesis 11, where the the nations of men kind of come to the front and say, yeah, we don't want God to be, or the God of gods, Yahweh Elohim, to be our God. We want, we want something else. We want to be our own gods, and we, we reject him. And at that point, God gives over the nations 
to the God that they want. These other spiritual beings that he put in place to uh, rule for him. And at that point, these were fallen uh, spiritual beings. So it, it wasn't like these beings had their best interests in mind, but God gave them over. We see that, I think, mirrored in, in Romans 1. Um, but when, when you look at it that way, and we see God had given the other nations over to this spiritual being to, to lord over them, it makes more sense of Genesis 12, where God says, okay, these other spiritual beings each have their nation that they're, they're going to, you know, um, to control or to orchestrate. But God says, but I'm going to have a nation where I'm going to work my purposes through as well. And so he calls out Abram from Ur of the Chaldees. And just like in Genesis 10 or Genesis 11, where they say, let's make a name for ourselves. God says to Abram, I will make a name for you and I will make your name great. And I will um, make the, the, your seed greater than the sands of the earth and all of that. And the promises that he gives to them and that through, through Abraham, all of the nations will be blessed. And so God takes it a step further and says, this is what I'm going to do. But then through my seed, through my chosen nation, I'm actually going to win back everyone else. And I think it just puts a better framework when we view it like that. And then straight on through the gospel where I think Paul had in his mind that he was the God, he was the, the one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. I think he had in his mind Genesis 10 and 11 that were disinherited by God, given over to these other God, these other spiritual beings that he wanted to win them back for Christ. And that was how God was going to do it. And that's why his missionary journeys take him to the places that he does. So it's a very condensed version, but I think it gives a better framework to the whole story of the Bible through to Revelation as well. Yeah, I think definitely definitely like in our view of like our Christian life, it's, it's important. It is important to see the spiritual side of it and the things going on that we don't see physically that are affecting things that actually happen in the world. Um, I think that's a, it's a, it's important to look at that as we are considering, you know, like what's important about, um, where we're putting our efforts and our time and, you know, when we're ministering to people, um, or sharing the gospel, whatever that looks like to understand that there's like spiritual warfare going on at the same time. I think that's kind of like a phrase that's thrown around a lot, Mm -hmm. spiritual warfare and not ever, not always at least like taken seriously that there could very well possibly be actual spiritual beings, you know, contending with each other over something (laughs) and it could be affecting something in that we're seeing happen in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that kind of like what you're talking about too, Tim? Yeah. um, You know, I think on a very big picture level, just how I'm wired. And for me, it just adds a lot of color and richness to the Bible. I, 
I've been thinking a lot about this. I was talking to Rob even before we started recording. I don't think you're on uh, the line yet, Jordan, but I was talking to Rob about how, you know, on one in one hand, I think the heart of the gospel will always go forward, right? I think God preserves the gospel no matter what. Um, even though the book we're reading in English was originally in Hebrew and then translated through Latin and then German, and here we are in English, you know, and also Greek, the Bible, the gospel is still there, right? Like, I think we all agree to that, that ultimately all paths point to Jesus in scripture, (laughs) you know, like all roads are pointing to Christ and there's all this stuff about that, right? So I think that's great. But then I also think about how much, maybe personally I've missed on understanding how like all of like the undertones that link things back to Christ and to like God restoring things back to how they're meant to be. Like that seems to be this like theme that we're starting to uncover of like this God who is at the heart of who he is, is a community of love. Like everything was born out of love with this God and how after the rebellion, God's like, I am going to redeem Everything. It's not just the human race. I'm going to redeem the spiritual realm. I'm going to redeem the physical realm. And I'm going to redeem the, the part that is like half in and half out, the human race, you know? So mm. for me, it's kind of like I was telling Rob, I said the analogy I thought of was imagine if I told someone, hey, Lord of the Rings is about a guy who has to throw a ring into a volcano. It's like, okay, that's true. That is definitely the heart of the of the of the series. However, you're missing like 1,500 pages of like context and story arc and like you know just relationship and communication and yada yada yada. And I think I'm obviously being a little extreme. I don't think that it's that you know simplified in American English Western culture. But I do think about this kind of stuff. Just shows how deeper the rabbit hole can really be and it still points to the same thing that we believe today jesus ultimately but how we get there with stuff like this helps me fill in so many gaps of questions because the way i'm wired is just i'm just that kind of person i just have questions and i have thoughts and you know i kind of i'm always debating between a and b it's just that's just how i am and this helps me to make more sense of like yeah how does that work you know like yeah what does this look like and reading stuff about this or how like god's using you know, these like other spiritual beings to like work through or even how another, this is kind of a a slight side note about the same topic. One thing that Tim brought up is that in almost every instance of God working in scripture, he's using a human to work through that person. He's working through a human. It's very rare where God's just by himself. Like with the tank, with with the plagues, he's using Moses, you know, with the, whatever it is, it's usually a human he's working through. I'm like, wow, I never really thought about that before, but that's true. But I never put, I never thought about it like that, that God is actively working through humans to accomplish his will. Like, wow, that's super powerful. Do I, do I know that in the sense of like, God is going to use you? Yes. But when I hear it rooted in scripture, it just really emphasizes the point of like, wow, you're right. Like even in scripture, God was using people (laughs) to do amazing things to me it just kind of refreshes maybe what the, the tradition that i've always grown up in that i've kind of maybe gotten numb to or haven't really fully understand it mm-hmm. that's the long-winded statement so jordan a question for you um i i always grew up with the understanding uh so if you go to genesis one and it's God said, let us make man in our own image. Mm-hmm. How would you understand 
how would you understand the let us make man in our own image? Um, off the top of my head, probably I would say the Trinity. Right. Me too. And yes. Right. And that's, that's how I've always been kind of coached or, or thought about uh, the Elohim is plural. And that's, that's what they're saying is let us. And I, I, part of what, what they're getting at with the divine council kind of stuff is that was actually God saying to the plethora of the hosts of heaven. He was saying, let us, like, I, I want you to be active in this creation. I want you to be active in the authority and in what's going on here. But, and that's why it's so particular. It said, let us make man. And so God made man in his own image. So, so they had, God wanted to include them. You guys there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah. We're oh, listening. Uh, <laughs> you guys were both very still. I was like, I think they're gone. <laughs> no, we're here. We're here. You're like, and Rob cut out. <laughs> <laughs> but and and so God wanted them to be in on it, but he didn't he didn't give them the creatorial power either, that he was the one that created. So let me ask you, why do you jump to that instead of it being the common understanding of him referring to the Trinity. Um, what evidence? I mean, I know, like we're talking about, yes, there are other spiritual beings. God uses other spiritual beings um, in his rule of the universe. Um, in that statement specifically, why would you say that he was addressing all of the spiritual beings in heaven and not just the Trinity? Because I feel like that's a jump that there's not really evidence for. I don't, in my opinion, I think there's glimpses, but not evidence of the Trinity in the Old Testament. I think the Trinity is a very New Testament kind of thing. Um, not to say it's not foreshadowed in the Old Testament, but but I think an ancient Near Eastern would have more thought of a collective host of heavenly beings as opposed to a Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not to say that, I, I think in the rest of the story, we can see um, how the Trinity works out in creation, and then especially when we get to John chapter 1, we see, oh, there was a third part of the Trinity that wasn't even mentioned in the Hebrew story, that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that nothing was made without Him. And so I think... I think it, the New Testament writers pick up on that. There was so you don't fr- you don't think f- Jesus was in the Old Testament? No, no, no I'm not saying he wasn't. Okay. I I'm <laughs> saying he wasn't. He. I don't think the the ancient Hebrew writers understood a Jesus when they were writing. But do you think where they were inspired by a member of the Trinity when they were writing? <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously, yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, they wouldn't have necessarily had to have right. a uh, academic understanding of a multi-part singular God that we still don't really even understand. <laughs> right. Uh, in order to make us, in order to put something in there like that, which was a reference. Well, to there, it. there is a view. Oh man, I feel like it's so out of my depth. It's like embarrassing, <laughs> frankly. But 
So right, here we go. Gonna butcher, in. gonna butcher but, something but else. I'll, here we go. Swimmies and jump in the deep end. So <laughs> there is this other idea in the the Torah and the Old Testament, and there's like this concept that, oh man, I don't know how to describe this, but essentially <laughs> like that that God, there's like God, then there's like God's word. All right, and how sometimes there are kind of distinct things that are still God. Or another word, a way it would be it was like God's glory. Like, oh, and God's glory appeared. You know, we would obviously we would say, yes, that's God. And yes, it was. But they're also kind of referencing how it's kind of distinct from God. Almost like how Jesus and God, you know, 100% man, 100% God, but also distinct, but also together. Same kind of idea. So I don't think it was like foreign for a Hebrew at that time to think of like the idea of like God and his glory or God and something else. Um, I don't think it's like a, a, a foreign idea. I think that, of course, the idea of Christ was because they didn't know who he was yet. And probably the idea of the Holy Spirit because it wasn't talked about. So really the New Testament mostly. Um, but I'm just saying that to, to make the point of like, I don't think that, that the idea of like, you know, God being one, but also like different aspects of God was super foreign. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, you even think about like what's the the story in uh, Genesis 18 of when the three men appear to Abraham, and a lot of like uh, theologians would argue that one of those three men was Jesus, and it was the first time that he was referenced as like a physical person in the Bible. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of Christophanies. They would be called. Right. Um, Jacob wrestling with the angel of God would definitely, in my right. opinion, would be a Christophany. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I think what, what Tim's getting at is like an attribute of God taking on its own form. Yeah. Um, and, and while, while that's true, I, I, I think the theme that is drawn out, I, it's it. I, I totally, one hundred percent, say that the entire Bible was written by inspiration of the Spirit, and there's the Spirit in the Old Testament too. I mean, David said, "Let not thy spirit depart from me." The Spirit came upon um, Samson and gave him the the strength. So that there is definitely the Spirit coming and going um, in the Old Testament. So they had some mm-hmm. understanding of it, not a new Testament indwelling of the spirit that we know of, but they definitely had that concept. So the, the concept of a Godhead was definitely there, but the, those writing in that day were definitely writing with a different mindset than we would look back on it and write and, and see. So I think there's definitely that, that fine line we have to play of, can we go back with this lens and are we reading too much into the scripture to say, Oh, this was definitely this, or should we say, okay, maybe they were tracing the theme here and the theme picks up and is carried into the new Testament. And I'm not a biblical scholar nor a theologian to, to say where and when we should do either of those things. Yeah. I think that it's hard to say way or the other and we have to just (laughs) kind of take we have to take the uh the things that we do know about Mm -hmm. god and his attributes and the things that he has revealed to us through scripture and despite the 
I guess I look at it this way, like all of scripture, like I have a hard time separating sometimes the old Testament and the new Testament and, and looking at the writers of it, because for me, it's, it comes down to the simple thing. And and you just said it too, just the simple aspect of this whole work that we have of the revelation of God of himself to us and his story and his plan that we call the Bible was a single work by the Holy spirit. Right. Um, and I guess like for me, like that's how I have to look at it. And Mm -hmm. so like there can't be these like discrepancies of, well, you know, they didn't understand this. So therefore they wouldn't have written that way. When the way I look at it is just that the Holy Spirit working through these men at different points in time to write a consistent revelation of who God is. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I don't think that if, for example, if Genesis 1 was referring to the divine counsel i don't think that's like, inconsistent with like the rest of scripture or anything i don't think no, it makes no. it like inherent right. and i also think too that we have to be and this is maybe more of a we might disagree on this a lot a little bit jordan but while i definitely am in the same camp as like that that god or the holy spirit whatever you want to call it you know inspired men or people to write the book that we have now i also don't want to take away the the fact that the bible was written over many years by real people who were human and probably didn't even know. I don't think that that they were somehow possessed and like, oh, I'm in spirit mode now. Okay, here's what I'm writing. Okay, here's how it works. I think they were probably writing like how if I was going to write a book, you know, I probably wouldn't even be aware if God was speaking through me about a certain book. I don't think I would be aware of that, right? And I I don't know. I don't want to make it just oh it's just a human book because i don't think it is but i also don't want to like oh it was just beamed down from heaven itself into the language that we have now and this is it like every word is perfect like in the sense of every translation is perfect every you know we had the full context i think that we're missing some of that we're missing that it's a very jewish book that it stems from judaism that these people had a, a hebrew mindset was way different than an american western mindset and therefore some things to us are going to make not a lot of sense at all because we just don't know the history and culture of the Jewish people. Now, does that mean that 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 the heart of the scripture or that that scripture itself is lost? By no means. But I think that we just don't know how to read some of this sometimes. We're like, what is going on in this book? Yeah, I think I agree with you that like, I feel like we need to position our mindsets to be closer to the people who were writing and who were receiving this originally. I don't disagree with that. I think that what you said of like the Holy Spirit, like beaming this down into these people's minds and going into a trance and writing, I think that would almost lessen the evidence in my mind, at least is like, yeah, these people were human and they were flawed and they were writing and the Holy Spirit worked through them anyway, without them even knowing or realizing it to do this crazy work, you know, over thousands of years. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the Gospels are a perfect example of that. You have four different stories about the same Jesus from four different angles because it's written by four different men at four different times. Right. And so we, we see 
clearly that the writers had the freedom to write things from their perspective and their knowledge at the time. And you can see John clearly had a longer time to kind of think about things and think about who was this Jesus and kind of reflect on his claims. So his recollection and um, his story of Jesus is so much deeper and richer than the synoptic gospels would be. But and, and so I think we, we get that that point that Tim's making is we, we can't take the humanity out of the Bible either. Yeah, you know, I, obviously, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up a little bit. And I, I guess what I, if I'm trying to sum up like what what this experience so far, or what, what this like even knowledge has taught me is that God and Scripture and the Bible go way beyond my Western post-reformation categories <laughs> you know i'm not saying that like that like what how, how i always saw the scripture is false or wrong that by no means but i'm realizing that god is way way inside and way outside of those categories and that he has worked in way bigger ways than i can really fathom through humanity and totally different cultures and mindsets and contexts and he has worked and he is redeeming people and he is saving people to himself and that's powerful in particular for someone like myself because you know it's just i think just again the way i'm wired it's just very easy for me to fall into like tunnel vision of like this is the only way and i'm just kind of understanding i think for the first time and maybe a long time or ever that god is beyond my own categories you know god is beyond i think that in the fundamental tradition that I grew up in, I have learned a lot of good things, but I've also was always kind of implied like, well, this is the only right way to interpret scripture. This is only the right way to view it. This is definitely only the right way to see this thing. And the deeper I go down this rabbit hole, the more I'm like, wow, no, not at all. This is actually way deeper and way richer than just a, like a a, a, a Western postmodern view of like these, what we think are black and white verses. It's just not that simple all the time when it comes to the deeper things of scripture. Yeah. I find that comforting personally to know that. I mean, it just kind of reinforces like what we do, what we would say we believe about God. He's, you know, bigger and beyond what we can fathom and comprehend and it just reinforces that that even what he has showed us of himself is so much deeper and richer than what we thought it's like we, we have this starting point like you're saying tim like what we grew up learning and what we've been taught and then we're kind of in this like this is how it is and then we we realize that oh wait a minute the bible is so much deeper than that and the things that it teaches us about God are so much richer and beyond what we thought. And then you can take that even a step further and say, there's so much to God that we is, it hasn't even been revealed to us through the Bible. I believe that for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's, that's comforting, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm learning how to make that comforting at first. I'm going to be real honest. This was very anxiety inducing, <laughs> like having like your foundations kind of wobbly and wobble a bit because you're just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to put words to it, but it was at first very just like worrying, like, wait, what did I, what did I, did I, did I believe the wrong thing? And it's not, of course, coming out of it. It's not really about that. It's just a deeper understanding. But I think for me where I'm at, in my life and even like, um, you know, in like my relationship with like God and, 
and what I'm discovering about him through just people who are way wiser than, than me or any of us and who have like committed their entire lives to like understanding this book better. I think that I tend to fall more out of like the mainline fundamentalist movement I grew up in. Not that I think it's like necessarily wrong. I just think that it's a little too narrow for me. Like I was really just taught like, okay. And by, by taught, I don't mean like my parents, my parents were great, but I think like my Sunday school teachers are just like certain preachers I sat in front of for a lot of years. You know, you just kind of had this view of like, we're interpreting it right. Everyone else on the whole world is wrong. Unless you have this like specific postmodern, post-reformed Western view of this scripture. And like, there's really no other way to interpret it. Here's what it is. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, you know what? Like, I think God is calling people to himself in all different kinds of ways that lead back to Christ. And I think it's way beyond, you know, me and like, oh, if you didn't pray this one prayer one time, sorry, you're out. But if you prayed this prayer this one time, oh, you're definitely in. I just don't think it's Mm -hmm. that simple. I'm, I don't know how I can say it. I'm, I don't think that's biblical. I don't think it's healthy. And frankly, if I'm really being maybe almost too honest now, it has ended up that that mentality has actually ended up being very anxiety inducing in my life and not freeing at all because I've spent so many years worrying like, well, am I in or am I out? Did I pray the prayer right? Did that person pray the prayer right? Like what what happens after this? You know, and like that's very worrisome when you've been taught that you have to pray this prayer and walk down this aisle and say these words. That's the only way. It's like I think about what about the other like you know ten billion people who haven't prayed that prayer? Does that just mean automatically like that they're out? I wonder that sometimes. You know, I just think, I think it's bigger. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm ranting, but I think it's bigger than just like <laughs> this one view. Is all I'm trying to to get to. Agree with that. Yeah, and I think what what this what this definitely brought out, and as we you know, I'm I'm still looking into this. I'm still studying it. I'm, um, looking at new resources, but what it's what it's bringing together is is tying together the whole message and theme of the Bible, bringing out a new perspective to to look at the message of even the gospel, to look at God in a new way, um, to look at His purposes in a new way. But ultimately, it comes back, and it doesn't change the fact that that you were just on Tim. Anyone that will be in heaven or will be in the new creation, ruling with God, will be there because of Christ. There will be no exceptions. Even Old Testament believers that didn't know anything about Jesus, right. they'll be there because of because of his sacrifice. They'll right. be there because of what he did on the cross. And it's just it's it's deepening the the nature and the result of the cross for for me. And I think. Um, we talked about that the other day, and I think that's that's what all of this does. As we get a, a greater understanding of more themes of the Bible, it just deepens what the cross actually means and what it accomplished. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree, Rob. And um, you know, for the record, people who are listening to this, I think what is important for you to hear is what we're not saying is that there's a universalism to the world or that, you know, all any possible road leads to Christ. That's not the point. What we're simply arguing is that maybe it's a little bit wider than like a very narrow version of what we grew up in and that you can get to Christ in different ways. I think that that's the ultimate thing. And ultimately it's not our call anyway. We don't decide what that looks like, you know, and we have to be okay with that. But um, it's definitely been freeing to understand this bigger theme that ultimately God is in the business of restoring 
everything back to himself, back to, you know, humanity, creation, the spiritual world. That's what God is doing through people and through spirits, through, you know, through spiritual beings over time. I think it's super powerful. Obviously, we're just scratching the surface. Obviously, we're frankly probably, probably pretty ignorant on this. And if Tim or Michael Heiser ever listened to this podcast, they'd probably be like, <laughs> like rolling and like yelling at, at the, you know, <laughs> at the radio or their, you know, whatever, because of how like much we've missed of this stuff. But I hope that this conversation at a minimum just got you to think, got you to think about that maybe it's deeper than just what you've been taught. Maybe it's deeper than just these black and white KJV words. And that maybe that, yes, while the gospel is, of course, is in scripture clear as day, that there's a much richer story underneath that if you dig a little really connects things that make more sense of the world that we're in and of scripture. Because ultimately, if we believe that God is ultimate reality and that the scripture is true, then they're going to reconcile at some point. And if it's if it's not matching, matching up with our reality, then either our reality is wrong or our perspective on scripture is wrong. And we have to adjust one of the two. I firmly believe that, you know. So... Anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode for sure. Um, I don't know what we'll do on the next episode. I don't know if we continue this conversation down some other paths. I don't know what we're going to learn. I have no idea. Um, But I hope you guys stuck with it and forgive us for our rambling sometimes. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're not very clear that I listened to it back. Actually, it was pretty clear. So hopefully we got our point across. <laughs> yeah, there will definitely be an update to this episode as we search in it. So if you if you are in this theology and you're like, hey, you know what? I've actually looked into this before and these are my thoughts. We'd love to hear them. Yes. A um, couple of resources we recommend. Um, the Bible Project, that podcast, I mean, first off, it's amazing. Tim and John are great. And what I like about John, by the way, is John's kind of like the voice of like what, what where I was in the beginning. Like, well, Tim, that sounds like weird. Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> and I also appreciate that Tim is humble enough to say, this sounds crazy, but here's what I think scripture is really saying. I'm like, you know, what? I can appreciate that because sometimes it's just not an easy pill to swallow, frankly, but and because it's hard to understand. But so, yeah, the Bible Project podcast is great. Exploring My Strange Bible, another podcast by Tim is great. And then, uh, Rob, what is Mike uh, Michael's uh, podcast? His is the Naked Bible uh, yeah. podcast. And then he also has a website for all of because he, he is – big into some of the paranormal um stuff and and that's kind of where his his ministry ends he he has a book the unseen realm um and then he has a website uh drmsh i think is his website dot org drmsh.org and there's a lot of resources on there as well that i'm kind of sorting through great well if you made it this far please Give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us if we're crazy. Um, We'd love to hear it. We'd love to continue the conversation. Um, uh, Yes, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning into the show, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus. But where's the water? What's your plan?